Guardian Unlimited. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic, driving the taxis of evil down the information superhighway. This week we go back to school. The wags and monkey will say it's about time and that I belong in the corner. But enough of your perverted fantasies. Faith schools are routinely singled out for harming community cohesion, not least Muslim schools, which stand accused of preaching intolerance and hatred. Do Muslim schools brainwash children? Are they stupid enough to do that? With me in the studio are Muhammad Muqaddam, President of the Association of Muslim Schools, and Terry Sanderson from the National Secular Society. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to you both. Hello. Wa alaikum salam. I'm sure you'll have plenty of opinions, but please raise your hands before speaking. Manchester Islamic High School for Girls is an independent, selective girls' school with an impressive academic record, a 100% A to C pass rate at GCSE level. The brochure speaks proudly of offering the national curriculum enriched with Islamic education. I visited the school to see how it combines academic demands with religious requirements. People have this impression that in faith schools you're not getting a balanced education. Do you feel that's the case? No, definitely not, because we're getting all the subjects that every school does, only that we get extra, like RS and Quran. Do you mind the extra homework? It's not that much extra, because like Quran would only be learning, which we should already be doing. My name is Azad Datka. I'm the head of science. Miss Kulsum Munshi, head of RS. How do you decide on your curriculum? We follow the national curriculum, that's one thing. And obviously the trustees of the school also expecting the school follow particular curriculum. For example, we need to do Arabic, we need to do Quran and RS. Along with following the national curriculum, every subject across the school, from history to science to English, there's an Islamic aspect put into that. Why is that in there? So I'll give you an example from science. Our biology teacher is teaching about reproduction, let's say. She will add in there what the Quranic verses say about reproduction, that before there were any microscopes, etc., there are certain descriptions given in the Quran of what the womb and the fetus would look like. So this is to complement the curriculum, also to make the girls realise that before science there was Islam. Does being a Muslim school make it easier for you to practice Islam on an everyday basis? I, I like the fact that we have prayer times over here and like we, everything's made comfortable for you. Like as in, when it comes to Ramadan, we, we have like shorter days. How did you know about the school? Um, I'd heard about it through family and friends and word of mouth and it, I just... I saw an article about it in the newspaper as well and they achieved really good results so that sort of impressed me. So was it the fact that it was a Muslim school with really good results that made you want to come here? It allowed me to sort of practice my religion freely which I knew I wouldn't be able to do in other schools. The girls are very ambitious. Almost everybody wants to go to higher education. I think the percentage is over 90% that they go to the higher education. And most girls end up going to science subjects. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to go something in the real physics. What about you? What do you want to do? 
Me, I actually want to do cosmetic surgery and loads of people ask me that, isn't it haram to do, I don't want to do people's nose jobs or something like that. Do you know if someone's been in an accident or disabled children then, I want to like help them so that they fit in with society more, they're more socially acceptable and people don't look at them in a weird way. How much does it cost to send your child to school here? The fee is about 3900 but obviously it costs more than that because they have to pay for other expenses. So altogether about £4,500 a year. What are parents looking for when they send their girls here? Is it as much about an Islamic environment? I mean, they get that at home. Not everybody gets it at home. Yes, there are children coming from very strict background, but there are uh, some parents, very young parents, that they think they don't know much about their own religion and they think they missed out on that because they went to the state school themselves. When people are talking about faith schools, they always say, oh, it's encouraging segregation, there's no community cohesion. Do you worry that you're being cut off from mainstream society because you're going to an exclusively Muslim environment? No, I don't think that's true because you still live in this world. You've still got a community around you. You go to shops, you see non-Muslim people. It's not as if you start having a shock towards them or reacting in a weird way. you still got social skills. That's just what being a person is. Sort of I was explaining to the girls yesterday, we're not trying to keep you in a bubble here. And that's why we try and take them out on as many trips as possible. We try and take them so they're meeting other people in the community, etc. Work experience as well. Like in year 10, they go for two weeks work experience and they go to all sorts of places for their placement. So they have really chances of mixing with other people. How does it make you feel when you hear about these stories about faith schools preaching extremism or madrasas? I get really annoyed because like, it's not like that we're weird people and like we're cut off from society and things because just what they hear on the media, you know, like they straight away behave. But then in our school, we have like different point of view and we have our own point of view and we have our own opinion. And it's not like we're weird and it's always Islam, Islam, Islam. They're very proud to be Muslims here because they know that they're going to leave here with good academic results. They're proud to be Muslim young ladies because they know and they feel confident in the fact that whatever they're being taught is correct and the, the right way as such for them. Are you worried about having a Muslim school on your CV? Um, no, not really. No, I wouldn't be because, I mean, this Muslim school has provided so many, has made so many girls have really good future and careers and it's provided so much good academic um, support, so it's not something to be ashamed of. How do you feel about the government's shifting position on faith school? Sometimes it likes faith school, sometimes it doesn't. It depends on which government minister you speak to. I think we really ignore it because we think we're doing very well. At the end of the day, we know what we're doing is right. We see the result of it. The evidence is in front of us. And it's not just the academic standard. We're looking at the girls' behavior and the way that they are. And when they go to the society, when they leave our school, they're really successful. They have very good foundation. And we're just thinking the faith school is really the answer. Staff and students from Manchester Islamic High School for Girls. My guests in the studio are Mohammed Makadam from the Association of Muslim Schools, who was smiling while listening to those interviews, and Terry Sanderson from the National Secular Society, who was not. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, I'll start with you, Terry. When a faith school follows the national curriculum and offers excellent standards of teaching, which is borne out in the league tables, what's the problem? Well, I think the problem is that... Schools are not there to preach, they're there to teach. And I think that if you introduce religion on that scale into school, 
you you would inevitably detract from the the academic learning, and I think I don't think that's what public money should be spent on. This was a private school, and uh, you know the, the the parents wanted that kind of education, and that's fine. And they were obviously doing very well, and they'd balanced it. But there are some schools where that doesn't happen. There are lots of issues around faith schools, not just Muslim schools, to do with um, community cohesion. And it works both ways. It's not about whether Muslims meet the community. It's whether the community meets Muslims. And if you if you shut yourself off in these schools and you live in areas which are predominantly Muslim, the, the crossover has got to be limited. And Professor Eileen Bruegel at the LSA, she produced a report quite recently. She'd studied uh, relationships between kids and found that if they didn't get together in primary schools, it got harder and harder for them to, to cross the cultural and racial barriers. So they have to get together and be together every day. None of this twinning nonsense, because that doesn't work. Mohammed, what's your response to the feature and also to the points raised by Terry? Well, first of all, my question is, you know, those people who are, uh, are opposed to faith schools, they do oppose this, the concept of faith schools on uh, ideological grounds and sometimes on prejudices rather than empirical data. So I think it's important for you know people who think that faith schools are X, Y, Z to actually come and visit us and then make their judgments and pass their judgments on us. For example, I mean, your piece showed it all really. Confident young girls, and if you were to take an empirical data, you'll see these young girls actually progressing on to further education colleges, universities, at a far higher rate than the other girls in comprehensive schools like for like. Young women and men who've been brought up in a very confident environment in their faith schools tend to integrate much better at that level, tend to have more confidence in themselves as British Muslims. We've got to accept that this is a society full of diversity and everybody has a different need. They have different problems. They have different challenges. And after all, it has to be understood that we only cater for about 2.3% of the total Muslim school-going population. We're trying to create an environment that will bring in people who are excluded so that they can fulfill their aspirations. What do you think of that report that was in the paper on Sunday saying that, that half of schools, half of the Muslim schools in the private sector had never been inspected? And well, a, and isn't about, that a job for Ofsted? Yes, absolutely. Well, but let that, me respond to that. What the paper was saying, and I've read that carefully and I've looked at it, I'll share the thing. It says those schools have not been inspected under the new regime, which took place in September 2003. There's a six-year cycle, and the Ofsted people have said very clearly that in the next few months, they will be Ofsteded and a report will be put out. And, of course, we're always supporting the Ofsted people. In fact, uh, you may know that we've actually uh, applied for a faith schools inspectorate to do some of that the jobs on there. That would be a disaster. Absolute well, this is disaster. what you're saying, but you haven't even looked at our proposals. Yes, it's, I have. So what you're I saying have. is it's, it's all right for commercial people to come on board and Ofsted, but it's not for faith schools uh, no. inspectorate to have no, the no, no, same no. opportunity as other people do. No. I think it's important that you look at those issues. I've and, looked and, at them and I've thought uh, about them and, and I think it will be a disaster for faith schools to be taken even further away from the mainstream by having its own inspectorate. Faith schools inspectorate is a body like any other body which no, has been not. invited by Ofsted to put in. It doesn't not exist yet. at the does, moment. Does but we, exist. No, it You're doesn't. lobbying for it to We're lobbying to for it, yeah. Uh, at the risk of inflaming your passions further, uh, Terry said that some schools were suspects. So, uh, Mohammed, I'm going to throw this one in your court now. The King Fahd Academy in London. 
Uh-huh. Had a few problems recently. There was the incident of a teacher or a former teacher who said that the children were being brainwashed with anti-Western propaganda, that they were being taught a fundamentalist in speech marks, strain of Islam. How can you regulate what is being taught at a religious level? Well, our record, the Association of Muslim Schools record is very clear. The authority rests with Ofsted. But we are supporting Ofsted and say, where schools are found to be wanting, if young people are indoctrinated in the wrong way, then Ofsted needs to go there, find out the evidence and close them down. Let me make that very clear. We're fully supportive of that because we want, just as much as you want, proper, rounded young people who have good education so that they become good participants and contributors to to the well-being of our society. But there's also the issue of whether young people are able to make their own decisions. I was talking to some young Muslims the other day who, who were telling me that, that school was the only, only time they ever got away from Islam, 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 morning, noon and night. And they said when we get well, to school... Were they being sent to a state no, school? They were to state school, at right. a community school, and they were saying, you know, it's, it's our one few hours of freedom... And their parents are controlling, they're domineering, and, you know, you saying they want the best for them, they probably do, but they they don't necessarily want the same thing as their parents. But that's but, a parenting issue. Yeah, but they, they, live in a commun- they live in a society where, you know, they don't have those choices. Even as they get older, they're still being controlled by their parents. Well, with respect, can I just say that if you look at the spectral Muslim community, you know, we're not all religious, you know, <laughs> Islam, exactly. Islam, Islam. Exactly. You know, well, there's a diversity from the secularized Muslims to the modern Muslims to the practicing Muslims, traditional Muslims. And of course, we've got our own extremists like any other community. So, you know, like to generalize and put them in one basket is not the right thing to do. OK, I think it's time we moved on. We haven't even touched on the report from the Muslim Council of Britain. A couple of weeks ago, it published a 72-page document about how state schools can better accommodate the the needs of Muslim pupils. The authors probably thought they were doing everyone a favour, showing how to integrate Muslims into mainstream education while still allowing them to observe the practical requirements of Islam. Alas, it was not to be. One paper was furious with the Muslim Council of Britain. Now they're telling us how to run our schools, thundered the headline. I caught up with one of the lead authors, Dahir Alam to ask him about the report and how it had been received. This particular document is sort of an information guidance document for schools. So what the document does is collates all the best practice, a good practice, that is operative within many schools up and down the country and gives some background information in being guided, if you like, on how they can best meet the needs of Muslim pupils in state schools, for example, in areas such as halal meals or dress... Now, it's only been a few weeks since the report was published. What kind of feedback have you been getting from parents and from schools? There's been some negative feedback from the press as usual, but the the response we've had from the education world, which is the important bit, has been very positive. The report has been welcomed by those who are involved in schools, those who are from the world of education. What happens when state schools make provisions for Muslim pupils? What are the advantages, not just for the pupil, but for the school itself? There are lots of advantages. It's about valuing pupils. It's about recognizing who they are. It's about making them normal within the school setting. So if you value people in that way, then they more, become more integral part of school life as well as of society. And obviously it's about self-esteem, it's about confidence, and all those things are very important to achievement. So basically, by having Muslim pupils in state school education, they remain part of mainstream society and they're mixing with people from different cultures and religions. 
It is about normalizing their Muslimness, if you like, so that Muslimness and Islam is not seen as something different, something alien, and just normalizing it, really. What's better, to have state schools accommodating Muslim pupils or Muslim children being sent to faith schools? Well, I think this is a very big question in one sense because there are lots of people who want to send their children to faith schools because that's, a, that's particularly important to them. However, there are other people who are dissatisfied with many schools within the state system and obviously if the state sector responded in a much better, more positive way to their children, they obviously would have less concerns. Are faith schools a barrier to integration? There is no evidence to say that that is the case. It really depends on what the school does. So you can have a school which is quite well integrated, if you like, from a racial mixed point of view. But if the school policies aren't right, they aren't promoting the right values, then obviously you will not have integration and you will not have cohesion. Is there a danger, though, that as more attention is paid to Muslim communities and calls are made for schools or other public bodies to be more sensitive, that non-Muslims will start resenting Muslims? No, it's not about that, really. According to the Education Act, children are to be educated according to the wishes of their parents. So our schools should be flexible, should be responsive to reflect the diversity of society that we are all part of. Clearly, there will be compromises to be made, and there has to be flexibility on both sides, not on side of the school, but also on side of parents and Muslim parents also. We understand that, but it's about creating the right balance, which is really important. We did ask schools minister Jim Knight for 10 minutes of his time, but we were told he was too busy. Must try harder. Terry, we've talked about cohesion and integration. Um, Do you think more could be done by state schools to accommodate Muslim pupils? Would that be an alternative to faith schools? Yes, I think so. I think uh, that there were a couple of good ideas in, in, in the MCB's document, but there are an awful lot more that were terrible and would have done nothing to bring people together and everything to push them apart. Accommodating people's dress is, is OK. Schools already do that. Yeah, they have a uniform uh, yeah. policy. <clears throat> and, and, and generally they will, they will make some accommodation for, for people wanting to wear headgear and so on. But, but I think um, this idea of, of, you know, girls not being taught by men and not having mixed swimming sessions or not being able to go swimming because you might see somebody naked... You know, this kind of thing, it, it, it really makes me think that if you start introducing that kind of stuff at school and it gets more and more, you know, you're pushing the Muslim kids into a, another corner and saying, you know, you're different. You've got to be treated separately to everybody else. And, you know, I, I, I just don't see how that is going to co- create cohesion. But if you have an establishment... That, I mean, again, if you just look at the stats, you've got 126 Muslim schools, 115 of them are independent, which means they're fee-paying. Fee I would have thought in a democracy, if parents want to throw money at education, that's their choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's less about the, the independent schools. But, I mean, you know, the, the government is proposing to bring a, a lot of those schools into the state sector. And they think that by doing that, they will have more control over what's taught there. Isn't that a good thing? On the surface it is, but unfortunately, you know, if, if parents send their children to these schools in the private sector because they feel that the public sector is not giving them a sufficient Islamic education, mm. when they get into the state sector and the, 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 the national curriculum is being enforced and, and there's not so much religion, they'll say, oh, well, that's not what I want for my kid, and they'll take them out and put them in another private school unless the national curriculum is changed to accommodate them. So what will happen is that they will come into the public sector and it's not they, the, the national curriculum won't be imposed. 
they will impose their own values on the national curriculum, and that will have to change. Are Muslim values different to non-Muslim values? Well, obviously, if you need to have separate faith schools, then, then there must be. It's a different belief system. I wouldn't say that you know Muslim values are that far off non-Muslim values. Muhammad? There are values that we can have, in, uh, we can share, and there are values and things which are different, and that's how all societies work. So what we do is we sit around the values that are good for the society and agree to disagree on the values which are particular to us, which we hold, but not necessarily are the same for other people because they have their own value system. The thing is that as long as the values as whole are doing good for our society, are contributing in a positive way, then I'm sure that is the way forward because we are different. We think differently. We come from different backgrounds. So we're naturally going to have different values, but there are some values which we share. But Terry, I mean, I noticed that every time it comes to a faith school or religion, you always associate it, you know, you said problem, problem, problem. Yeah. Is it possible for us to sort of have a dialogue without actually seeing it as a problem, trying to understand what is it that is we value and then perhaps get a better understanding? I think that's the way in a, in a, in a democratic society rather than sort of in a coming with their own ideas. You know, it's important that you know, people from different faiths and of no faith sit down and understand each other's aspirations, problems, if you like, and work together in a way that's a positive way, rather than keeping these oppositions, which is based really on ideological and sometimes on prejudice grounds. It's not doing anybody any good. And worst of all, it is actually prejudicing the right of young people, opportunities of young people, certain young people, to make progress. So I would welcome you uh, to the Leicester Islamic Academy and you need other schools. And perhaps I would like to come and visit your organization to understand your point of view so that together we can sit down and, you know, like uh, increase our understanding in a way that is, you know, like uh, in, uh, beneficial for our society. I'm for it. I'm Yay! all for it. <laughs> there you go. The Guardian bringing people together. Jazakallah uh, to uh, Mohammed Magadam and to Terry Sanderson. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. <laughs> that was Islamophonic. It was produced by Francesca Panetta and presented by me, Riaz Atbat. Until next week, Walaikum Assalam, Jazakallah for listening and stay halal. Guardian Unlimited.